I'm Brian Walsh, and from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. On today's show, Impact Alpha's David Bank catches up with Sir Ronald Cohen, who is in Buenos Aires to chair the GSG Impact Summit. GSG is the global steering group for impact investing, which grew out of the work that Sir Ronald did for the then G8 several years ago. Cohen is often referred to as the father of British venture capital and is now seen as one of the parents of social investing as well. He chairs the Portland Trust and Bridges Ventures in the UK. Let's jump right into their conversation. I'm talking with Sir Ronald Cohn, uh, who's at the first day of the Global Steering Group for Impact Investing Summit, which has been moved from Santiago to Buenos Aires. So um, congratulations on pulling it off for, for starters and being there. Um, so welcome to Impact Alpha, Sir Ronald. Thank you. Delighted to be here with you, David. I, I just want to ask first, actually, because um, the reason you had to move from Santiago was there was a you know a million people in the streets protesting. So it just struck me as a, a profound moment for impact investing and the impact investing movement to sort of reflect on what that means and and what you have to offer, uh, you know, in, in that regard as protests break out actually in many cities. Yeah, I mean, it sort of adds um, poignant urgency to our discussions, really. Um, we are very disappointed that we couldn't hold the summit in um, Santiago because a huge amount of effort was put into organizing a really magnificent one. Uh, but we're glad that we have a number of Chilean friends and colleagues who've uh, made it over here. And as you say, whatever the complex reasons behind this sudden eruption of uh, protest, uh, one common feature of uh, many protests that uh, the past uh, year or two have seen across the world is uh, what is perceived to be uh, unfair inequality. And as you say, impact investment is a very powerful approach to deal with inequality. And our discussions, which uh, started this morning, um, have uh, centered on the importance of beginning to take uh, our efforts to much greater scale uh, much more quickly uh, in order to help heal some of the wounds that have been opened in, you know, in, in many places. We just had um, former Governor Deval Patrick enter the presidential race here, and he uh, as you know, uh, is an impact investor and, and raised a fund through Bain Capital and has been investing. And, and the pushback became that he was a private equity guy um, and couldn't therefore be on the side of the, the people in some way. And that was going to be a, 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 a millstone around his neck. And, and then the, the impact investing crowd, uh, uh, and, and, and we had a piece in Impact Alpha, said, you know, he was, he's, he's, he's mobilizing private capital for public good. So impact investing seems to straddle that divide right there. And put it this way, how do you get on the side of, of, of the poor and the people? You know, it's a very interesting question, which we also touched on in our discussion this morning. Uh, it's like uh, people find it difficult um, to look at any other choices, but uh, socialism uh, and redistribution of income on one side and capitalism and hard free markets on the other. And the reality is that uh, there's a lot of harm that is being done. Uh, by the private sector, but there are also very powerful forces that the private sector can bring 
to getting us out of the messes that we find ourselves in socially and environmentally. And people haven't yet really understood uh, the difference between optimizing for risk and return and just making the most money that you can and optimizing for risk, return and impact and making the most money and the greatest impact that you can. The evidence is that it helps improve lives, it helps the environment, and you don't necessarily achieve a lower, a lower rate of return, but your motivations are totally different from somebody who just goes out to make money. And Deval, whom I know, is certainly somebody, because he showed it as a governor, uh, of Massachusetts with the work he did uh, with the social impact bonds and so on, who is very interested in optimizing risk, return and impact. And his move to impact private equity or impact venture capital um, was because he sought to achieve both things, to raise money from investors and give them a decent return, but at the same time to improve lives. And so I think this is a good opportunity to try, if we get a, a chance, to explain what impact investing is really about. There are some new asset classes which are being created, like around uh, social impact bonds and, uh, and so on. But impact investment is also about investing throughout all traditional asset classes venture capital, private equity, real estate, the public markets, bonds, but measuring the impact that you achieve and trying to maximize the impact that you achieve. And um, maybe his campaign will give him the opportunity to set the record straight uh, that impact private equity isn't just private equity uh, masquerading under a different name. It really is different than the investors and others will come to realize that. Well, I think that's the key, as, as, as you say. Um, your colleague Amit Bhatia told me uh, before your conference um, that impact has to get political. Um, and um, Yeah, maybe uh, it's well, doing what, what that. Might, what might that mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think what he means is what you're talking about, uh, that people have to begin to understand where it fits and it, in the political spectrum. Uh, so... The people who are attacking Deval for being a private equity investor are presumably people who reject um, uh, capitalism. Uh, but the people who are advocating uh, for socialism uh, may well reject impact investment too because they don't really understand that although it's using market forces, uh, and entrepreneurship and innovation, its intention is markedly different. We are overthrowing the dictatorship of profit and we are putting impact by profit side to keep it in its place. Overthrowing the dictatorship of profit, uh, Sir Ronald, you're, you're, you've coined a phrase there. Um, you're with the leaders of all of the um, national delegations, the national advisory boards. It's kind of the, we've always said, the kind of the closest thing to the UN of impact investing. Where is the leadership coming from around the world? So there are now 40 countries uh, that uh, are 
interested in impact investment, of those 33 uh, have either joined or are in the process of uh, joining. Uh, they're coming now from Latin America. Uh, Colombia is the, you know, one of the latest um, to uh, join. Uh, Zambia in, in Africa, Ghana in Africa, Sweden. Um, so they're coming from all continents, uh, really. Uh, we see a lot of interest they, in Southeast Asia, other African countries. What are the most exciting regions or leaders that have sort of embraced um, this notion of mobilizing private capital for public good? I mean, where is most interesting ideas or exciting ideas coming from? So I think it's very interesting to see how Africa is beginning to relate to impact investment in tackling uh, major uh, social issues like lack of education, David. So we have been in conversation with several African governments about bringing impact investment to improve public school systems. And we are working on the creation of a billion-dollar outcomes fund funded by aid organizations, philanthropists, uh, and governments, 15% of uh, the fund will be provided by the African governments uh, in, in whose countries we are invited to work. And we think we can help 10 million kids make it through their education uh, with a billion dollars. If you compare that with just uh, throwing a billion dollars of philanthropy or aid at it, uh, it's likely to be much more effective. Uh, and it will bring innovation because investor money is backing charitable organizations and businesses trying to improve education, but it's not prescribing to them in the way that aid or philanthropy typically do mm -hmm. what they have to do. So you open the door for the sort of uh, symbiosis that we had between venture capital and the tech entrepreneurs, uh, but you do it in the area of, of impact. Uh, we're also working on a Latin American outcomes fund for displaced persons, for refugees, uh, and yet another billion dollar education outcomes fund for India. So we're finding that not only governments, but um, investors, NGOs, uh, and others are beginning to emerge that believe in this new approach and are prepared to get involved in, in implementing it. Well, according to you, they should be rushing to the opportunity because we're going to reaching the tipping point 2020. So you have, you have, you're, you're on the countdown year now to your tipping point. So where are we on the tipping points, Errol? So if you, if you look at our uh, objective, our objective was to go past the point, the tipping point, where the acceleration is so great uh, that this becomes unstoppable. Now, we set those objectives in 2017 at our Chicago summit. At that time, in the broader field of sustainable investment, there were $22 trillion, trillion dollars going to sustainable investment, including impact investment, environmental, social, and governance investment, where the impact isn't measured and, and, and so on. 
The figure today is nearly 31 trillion. So you added more than 8 trillion in a couple of years. At the time of Chicago, there was 150 billion in impact investment proper, where you have both the intention and the measurement of, uh, of, of impact. Today, the figure is already over 500 billion. If you look at the number of pension funds which are becoming interested in impact investment, that number is certainly growing. Uh, if you look at uh, the number of ventures that have impact at their core, that number is growing. If you look at the number of businesses which are coming out now with uh, reports on their impact, even if they're not measuring their impact, which is on our uh, you know, on our target list for the next couple of years, uh, impact-weighted financial accounts. Uh, the number reporting has gone up to 75% of companies from 40% just a while ago. So whereas when we set our objective, it seemed uh, beyond our reach, uh, it now looks very much within our reach that we will, re you know, we will arrive at some type of tipping point by the end of next year. But I think more interestingly, uh, a new objective has come into sight now uh, because impact investment is being perceived by those who want to achieve the SDGs as the only way of achieving them. Uh, there's a $30 trillion gap which we cannot bridge with government philanthropy and, uh, you know, and in other ways. The only avenue for raising that much money is impact investment. And so a UNDP, which, as you know, uh, in fact, in the same year that we created uh, the SDG to take over from the G8 task force in 2015, established uh, the SDG uh, and the GSG uh, are going to be working much more closely together now. Uh, the impact investment movement is going to throw its weight behind helping to fill that gap. Well, I think tipping point 2020 with going exponential as would be required, as you say, to meet the SDGs by 2030. Um, and you've called it inevitable. Uh, inevitable is a strong, strong word. There's always headwinds and... Um, what, uh, uh, you mean uh, impact uh, investment? Shows you mean impact investment? In impact investing and in reaching and in reaching the, these these goals, which which obviously is is I think what the what the the, the vision has been, and I'm wondering how inevitable inevitable is. Well, I guess I guess I, I guess I use the word unstoppable uh, today. Unstoppable. Uh, yeah. Unstoppable. Um, Unstoppable requires a, 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 a movement and, and leadership and a, and a persistence. It's, it's somewhat different than inevitable, which just happens, I suppose. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and the reason is necessity rather than choice, David. We have no choice. Governments can't cope with the depth and breadth of social issues and environmental issues today uh, by trying to tax people more. Uh, governments have uh, budgets, but no money, as Shimon Peres once uh, <laughs> once has said. <laughs> and if you don't access private capital and entrepreneurship and innovation uh, and give them a different objective than they have typically had, which was just to make money, if you don't give them the objective 
of trying to improve the world and to make money at, um, at the same time, there's no way we're going to get that. When you look at the numbers that I have been giving you, if uh, today the number is 31 trillion of sustainable assets, that's over 20% of all professionally managed assets in the world. That is already some form of tipping point. That's why I say it's unstoppable. Values are going in that direction. Now, how quickly will we arrive at a form of accounting which enables a company or investors in a company to judge the financial and the impact performance of the company by looking at the same set of accounts? This is what I wanted to, to come, come back to you on, because you think that this impact weighting of accounts is kind of the key bit to flip at the top level. Yeah, because once you do that, investors can measure and compare. And when they compare, they can guide their investment to the companies they prefer. And this money, this 30 trillion, as somebody said this morning, isn't going to environmental, social and governance just because people are do-gooders. It's going because they appreciate that there's a better risk profile and a better return profile. So the notion that you can't do better by optimizing risk, return and impact than you would by just optimizing risk and return is being exploded today. Well, on that, let me ask you a final question, which will require you to be a little bit of a global forecaster. But if there is a downturn, if and when, let's just say, there, you know, when there is a downturn, um, will all of the ideas that you've been talking about, about uh, risk and, and, and profiles and the inevitability, will impact emerge from that uh, stronger as a, a, or will the impact issues that we all care about be washed out with a downturn? I think impact may well prove to be more resilient than normal investment. Uh, the reason for that is, first of all, you have a new form of investment in impact bonds, pay for success, where the payment depends on improving education or preventing um, uh, health issues from worsening, like pre-diabetics turning into uh, diabetics, um, taking homeless people off uh, the street, which don't go up and down with the stock market. So they're attractive, uncorrelated returns. But separately from that, a lot of impact investment is geared to bringing products and services to lower price points so that the poorer populations can access them. And in a recession, you might find that the mainstream market begins to shift to these cheaper options. So if you set up gyms that cost a quarter of the cost of a normal gym, in a recession, people may well go to these gyms located in less well-off areas rather than pay four times the price. It's a, it's a good hedge. And it takes us back full circle to your point about what impact may be able to offer the uh, protesters in the streets who are asking for generally better goods and services at more affordable prices and more fair dealing from their companies and their and their governments and very simple and and actionable things in general that uh, businesses pointed towards impact may well be the ones that can uh, deliver those things exactly 
Well, thank you so much, Sir Ronald. It's always a pleasure. I wish I could be there with you. I hope to see you soon. Well, likewise. Uh, and um, uh, our team will be in touch with you because I, if the discussion continues to be as rich as uh, it has been so far, uh, there may well be some other things to talk about. I look forward to that. Okay. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thanks so much to David Bank and Sir Ronald Cohen for that great conversation. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha, providing news and insights for those working to build an inclusive and prosperous future. Find us at impactalpha.com and on Twitter at Impact Alpha. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in some sense of the word next time. Thank you.